Welcome back to yet another episode on the Ringgit to Dollar podcast. In this week's episode, for the first time ever, we will be covering a non-US stock. One of our friends on Instagram, Dinesh29, actually asked us to cover Singapore Airlines. And without further ado, let's get into it. Singapore Airlines, as you may have guessed, is listed on the Singapore Stock Exchange. Andrew, do you buy any Singapore stocks? Um, unfortunately, no. Although Singapore is like our neighbors, right? Since we're both in Malaysia, you're way closer to them. Actually, you're in JB, <laughs> right, Johor? So, like, yeah, like ten yeah. minutes drive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe I'm exaggerating, but uh, I don't hold any Singapore stocks. But um, I am actually holding a lot of my reserves in SGD Singapore right. dollars. So right. because uh, I. I don't like to hold my reserves in MYR because like it's right. a little bit wonky, you know, the Malaysian yeah. currency. Yeah. So <laughs> what about you? Have you invested in the Singapore stock exchange, Nico? Um, no, but I have been paying attention to it for some, a couple of months now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are companies, but again, they're not as, um, and not as much growth as compared to the US market. I think you'll find there's more opportunity in the US market. But mm. the Singapore market, I think, is a bit more comparable to the Malaysian market in the sense that it's a bit smaller. There's less choices. But of course, there are still always going to be plenty of opportunity to make money, right? You can always yeah. get a good investment in any country that you go to. And I believe we have spoken about um, geographical diversification in one of our previous episodes as well. Yeah. But let's get into it. So Singapore Airlines Limited engages in uh, passenger and cargo air transportation. And their business segment can be broken down mainly into four revenue sources. They have um, Singapore Airlines, they have Silk Air, they have Scoot, and they also have the Singapore International Airlines Engineering Company. So (laughs) Singapore Airlines, the International Airlines is the brand that focuses on like a full service passenger serving for short and long haul markets. Whereas the Silk Air brand will focus on full service and passenger serving regional markets. And then we have finally the budget version of theirs, which is Scoot, which basically focus on the low-cost passenger segment. Now, the Singapore International Airlines Engineering Company, on the other hand, provides airframe maintenance and overhaul services, as well as line maintenance and technical ground handling. So basically, they cover a wide range of business segments within the airline community lah. you can mm. basically see that you know they have SIA which is the premier brand and then they have Silk Air which is the regional Southeast Asia brand and then they have Scoot which is their low cost passenger brand and then they have the maintenance branch so mm. they are all together in 30 airports strategically located across 7 different countries so you can find their branches in these airports lah. Now, have you ever flown Singapore Airlines, Andrew? <laughs> oh, unfortunately, no. I've flown a few kind of airplanes. Uh, I mean, uh, companies. Most common would be Asia. And yeah. fun fact, I actually was invested in Asia back then when I first started investing in 2019, I believe. Right. right? And mm-hmm. twi- no, 2020, actually. 2020. Because uh, I remember when I first started investing into Asia, Asia was in a big shit show. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, most of the airlines industry was pretty much hit badly because of COVID, right? But yeah. maybe we can take a look at the financials of um, Singapore Airlines. Maybe we can see if they have been hit badly by COVID as well, Nico. Yep, exactly. So the thing we have to understand about airlines is generally the market is quite uh, um, stable. It used to be, I mean, pre-COVID times, it was always stable. Mm -hmm. So you can expect roughly the same amount of uh, income or revenues 
And that was the trend. Uh, if you look into Singapore International Airlines as well, for the last five years, the revenue was a bit flat, meaning mm-hmm. that it'll grow 1% this year, then it'll drop by 2%, then it'll grow by 1%, so it's relatively flat. But the last annual report, um, you can see a big difference, a big drop, mainly because of well, COVID. And yep. to make things worse, the reason why it's like, it's a bit of an eyesore on Singapore Airlines annual reports, right? Is because of the structure of their financial year. Like if they were to end on December every year and start reporting in January to December, wouldn't, I think it would be less of a damage, but their financial year actually ends in like March is their first quarter. Mm -hmm. So we have to keep in mind that March was actually the first lockdown. (laughs) So (laughs) the last last report basically covered everything right until the day that the whole world went into lockdown. Mm-hmm. And the next year's report started at the beginning of lockdown until, well, um, we're still in it like, until next year, February, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. that's one of the things we have to take note in terms of Singapore Airlines uh, annual report. It will look pretty bad if you just want to make a comparison between their previous years and this year. Like it's a big drop. But part of it is also because the money making time was during 2019 and maybe January, February of 2020. But January and February of 2020 went into the previous year's uh, annual report because of their financial year's structure, right? Mm-hmm. The airlines industry is quite um, tight in the sense that it's very expensive and it's generally hard to make a profit. And in the last two years, Singapore Airlines has not been profitable. And Ooh. the last year being the obvious reason, I mean, the airlines yeah. industry was down, revenue is down. So it's quite hard for them to make uh, any money, actually. Mm-hmm. And the actual fact, according to the annual report, right, is the uh, difference between the passengers carried between the previous year and this year is a drop of 97%. So Understandable. Uh, I mean, it's, nothing it's, can stop that. Yeah, because nobody can move around, right? Yeah. And that basically also resulted in a 73% drop in their revenue. And then the rest of the books will be just aligned with that. Those kind of figures are when you see that 97% drop in customers and 73% drop in revenue, you know it's going to be a bad year in terms of their books, right? Mm. A few important um, terms that we need to know when we analyze airline companies are their passenger load factor. So the passenger load factor is basically if we take an empty plane, right? And we Mm -hmm. say that it has a capacity of 100 people. If we fill it fully, you get 100%. If you feel less, then it goes according to the percentage, right? Mm-hmm. So in the previous year, Singapore Airlines actually managed to get 81% passenger load factor, but it dropped from 81% to 13.4%, which is, again, a huge drop. So that means these planes will be f- that are going to fly, they're going to be flying mostly empty. Mm-hmm. And it's quite a common number in the airlines industry that states that the airline company has to have a 70% passenger load factor in order to be profitable so 81 percent, okay should be fine you should be profitable but 13 percent, (laughs) it's very very far from 70 percent yeah yeah but besides passenger load factor we also can take a look at their cargo load factor and so something smart that singapore airlines actually did during the pandemic was they decided to use their passenger planes and they will strip it off of all of the seats and uh, you know whatever is inside of the plane, and mm-hmm. they converted it for cargo purposes. And they actually saw that their cargo load factor was up by about twenty six percent, from fifty nine percent to eighty five percent. So that was good in the sense that it helps to at least buffer their losses by generating more income from the cargo load factor. 
right? Yeah. So speaking of all of these numbers, what what do you think so far in terms of how the how bad the airline was hit during the COVID pandemic? Um, uh, well, you see, for me, right, uh, a lot hmm. of times where I think of a company and I want to you know, analyze a company, right? Yeah. So sometimes we tend to neglect a bad year because like COVID is a unique year, right? And we like, mm. uh, okay, like, let's just neglect COVID and see 2019, 2018, 2017, how did they do, right? Because moving forward, we might go back to the, the pre-COVID era, right? But I like to analyze company this way. Um, I would take the bad year into consideration, especially COVID, and compare it with their competi- competitions, right? Mm. I won't say Asia is their competition, definitely not. They are a premium airline, right? Singapore Airlines yeah. uh, is not a, just a one-horse uh, race, right? They have like Silk Air, like you said, and they have like some Scoot budget airways, right? Yep. So yep. it's a little bit more complex to analyze their business. But from what I hear and when I look at the uh, financials, right, I, I don't think that it is the end of the world for them. Lah. Well, well, because before we started our podcast, also we had a mini discussion that they were government back, right, Nico? Yeah. So yeah. C- companies like this, right? Even like Asia, because back then I was analyzing Asia, right? When the COVID started, right? Uh, Asia was pretty much in a lot of trouble. And what they did was they took a lot of loan. Uh, they took a lot of debt. And mm. the government of Malaysia didn't want to actually bail them out at first. So what they did is they, if I'm not mistaken, they went to the government of Sabah or Sarawak. I can't remember. It was one of the Borneo countries, okay? Mm-hmm. And they asked for a 500 billion loan or million. I can't really remember. But the number of 500 was very clear in my head till today. Because uh, it's a very <laughs> okay. nice number. Right. right. So they asked for that. And they said that in return, we will give more jobs to your state. Lah, because your state government give me money. Right. I'll give mm. you back something. Lah. I can't just take and take what. Right. Yeah. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. That's a very common thing lah, in business. Right. So companies like Asia also had to take on a lot of debt. And... Sometimes taking on debt is the way to survive. And we did we cover about the debt, Nico, of this company? We haven't yet. We haven't yeah, yet. We'll so, get into that a bit later. Mm-hmm. But perhaps I can shed some light on what are the, some of the moves that Singapore Airlines actually made mm-hmm. during the pandemic to try mm. and cope with this whole situation. Yeah. So, I mean, Singapore is really a well-managed country. And as we mentioned earlier that, you know, this, this company is basically government-backed. It's mm-hmm. owned partially by the Singapore government itself. And I think about 56% of the company is owned by Tamasic Holdings. Tamasic Holdings is being the state fund, which is like in Malaysia is comparable to Kazana. Mm-hmm. So you can almost say that the company is entirely owned by the government almost, but you can't say that because it's not mm-hmm. factually correct. But correct. yeah, so it is actually government backed. But some of the non-flying revenue that they have tried to generate since the start of the pandemic is something called Chris Plus K-R-I-S Plus <laughs> and this is, is a, it's an all new app that actually brings like a payment option lifestyle oh, and reward services oh, all together okay. in one I thought it's like Asia the super app again bro <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of similar in that sense you know they're trying to get some kind of app where mm-hmm. um, the users can actually use it to make payments so mm-hmm. like an e-wallet and then, you know, they can book flights and stuff like that and gain more rewards and all of those things. Are. So it's kind of their way of trying to get involved in the app scene, in the e-wallet scene. So they start, they have been developing Chris Plus. But okay. besides that, they also have something called Pelago. 
and it's a travel planning and booking platform. And besides that also, they have, they launched something called Singapore Airlines Academy. And it's a new arm that offers training programs to external businesses and organizations in the areas of service excellence, operational excellence, organizational innovation, and digital transformation. So basically, Singapore Airlines is, you know, they have years of experience being a top well-known premier brand, right? And as a business, as a group of companies, they know how to keep the business efficient and provide excellent service. So what they have done with the Singapore Airlines Academy is now they're offering to basically coach and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Consult. Consult mm-hmm. other companies and provide them with insight on how they as well can provide excellent service in their own fields or how they can improve their organizational structure. Mm-hmm. And to me, like this is good science like, because you can't just be, you know that your industry is down, right? You have to do something else to try and at least bring in additional revenue. And these are some of the things that they have done. But okay. also a notable thing also is that because of the COVID pandemic, right? Um, there have been distributions of vaccines and Singapore Airlines also took advantage of that by kind of be- being the dispatch <laughs> trying to send out the vaccines. So mm. for Singapore, Australia and New Zealand, their first batches were all delivered by Singapore Airlines. And, you know, when that happens, it's like there's a lot of money involved and, you know, they probably would have hiked up prices in terms of the having to transport the vaccines because they are, you know, the freezing, you have to keep it at a certain temperature and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's quite interesting to see how they have sort of tried to navigate throughout this pandemic and try to add, um, add on to their services and their business segments. And mm-hmm. I think it's pretty cool, but of course, it's not going to be their main segment, right? Yeah. We're not going to see this grow into something else, right? This is just mm-hmm. sort of like how just to, to keep you, keep your keep your head above the water, lah. Basically, yeah, the, yeah, keep afloat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, potentially, we they can see that Singapore Airlines Academy might have potential to grow to become consulting firms or something like that. But otherwise, I, I think it's just to keep them busy at the moment since mm-hmm. they can't really do anything else. Yeah. At the end of the day, we need to realize that Singapore Airlines name. Is an airlines company, right? Mm. All of these side hustles. These are basically side hustles, like you know, Singapore's <laughs> airline side hustles, yeah. right? You come home from work nine to five, then you got two weeks break, ah, uh, then you take a two weeks break, you work on your side hustle, right, to develop a yeah. website or something. So this is what Singapore Airlines is doing, like yeah, some side hustles. <laughs> yeah, but exactly, exactly. I, I, I think it's just like a temporary thing. Uh, mm. The ultimate question is, right, always, uh, can they recover to pre-COVID eras, right? Yeah. Because with what I'm seeing today, right? Uh, obviously, I'm no doctor, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the virus is still a lot of uncertainty out there. With the Omicron virus, right? Even like companies like American Airlines, right? Uh, mm. One of Wall Street bets uh, <laughs> stocks, right? <laughs> <laughs> so they they took a big hit because they a lot of um, Omicron is a big uncertainty, right? We know it spreads faster; it's not as deadly. So what happens next, right? So mm. with uh, Singapore Airlines, also I'm assuming it's going to be the same. You know, like. The, for the management at least like you know they, they don't know what's going to happen in the next few uh, weeks or so but one mm. fun fact i can share with you is that it's not if, if you're an airline uh, employee or anyone that's listening right uh, one good news is that i don't have a lot of friends on my instagram right uh, but mm-hmm. well, i've been seeing that people have been traveling again and one of my friends she actually traveled to uk from malaysia Ooh. so this brings a little bit of light, like, you know, like, okay, la, international travel is starting to resume, you know. 
Yeah. It might be good news for Singapore Airlines, right, Nico? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is because Singapore Airlines, I mean, not Singapore Airlines, I'm talking about the government of Singapore actually opens up VTLs, which is uh, vaccine travel lanes, I believe. Mm-hmm. So they make um, deals with certain countries like Malaysia is included as well. And then they have Indonesia and I think company uh, countries like Germany as well. So these are the countries that, you know, people can travel to. And if there are flights being arranged, surely Singapore Airlines can benefit from that. Lah. Mm-hmm. It's basically the opening up of all of the different countries in the world and trying to get everyone to travel in a safe manner. So, yeah, I mean, it's something to look forward to for them for sure. And, mm. you know, how long are we going to have to still wait for the next variant, the next variant? Yeah. Things have to get moving, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, after all, Pfizer will just tell you, oh, if you take my third booster shot, your next variant will be okay. And then a new variant comes out. Just take my fourth booster shot. You'll be okay yeah. from the fourth. So they will continue to booster shot 1000, right? Yeah. And exactly. uh, I don't know what variant. Maybe like your drunk uncle variant or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so, eventually we're going to get to a point where it's going to be like, oh, this year, the new Pfizer Pro Plus. <laughs> <It's coming out. laughs> and then, I feel attacked, huh, Nico. <laughs> the Pfizer, Pfizer Pro Plus Max coming out next year. Hmm. I mean, it's getting a bit strange, but you know, whatever to keep people safe as long as people are able to move around and get things going, right? Mm. So to understand this a little bit more, right, Nico? Maybe I can ask it from your perspective, right? Mm. Would, are you looking to travel or not? I definitely would if I can get all of my eggs in line. I would definitely like to travel, uh, at least get away from the local scene, uh. What what but, eggs? I mean, get. <laughs> I I mean, all my ducks in line. <laughs> I went to the egg state, but okay. Um, no, I mean, like you know, you have to arrange leave and stuff like that, right? Oh, and then, okay. Um, you get flights on the same day and stuff because I don't want to end up in a situation where you know I book flights, I book hotels and stuff like that, and then the flight gets postponed to the next day or gets delayed and stuff. I it's a lot yeah. of headache, lah. Yeah. So right. yeah, probably maybe next year, sometime next year. Hmm, because I've been thinking to, I've been dying to travel, right? I've been telling you this since I was, what, fucking 23, I think, when we graduated, right? I said, like, okay, I'm going to travel, all right? Fuck yeah. this, I'm out, right? And then COVID hit. Um, so I'm also afraid to travel right now. It's not because I'm afraid of COVID. Uh, COVID yeah. gets me, whatever, I, I don't care. What I'm afraid yeah. is that I land in the country, I'm tested positive for COVID, I have to quarantine for two weeks, there goes my whole entire journey. Yeah. It's basically exactly. gone. You know, and my leave is gone. My my flight is gone. So I basically got to stay in the hotel in UK lah. Yeah, very good. I didn't get to see shit. Then I had to fly back. Amazing. Get some UK air lah. <laughs> fresh air. <laughs> Not really even fresh air lah. The aircon only lah we can get. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting back to the topic of Singapore Airlines. Mm-hmm. Um, another interesting thing that airlines do is also hedge fuel, right, Andrew? Mm, yeah. I think you studied that in um, what is this the Asia um, format as well. They Correct. also do fuel hedging, mm-hmm. and they basically do this because the airline agrees to purchase like a certain amount of oil at in the future at mm-hmm. a predetermined price. So basically, they're trying to keep it stable because oil prices do fluctuate, and they, it does affect them because they are heavy consumers, right? Mm-hmm. So to try and stabilize that, what airlines do is they hedge fuel. And yeah, they end up buying contracts or they buy call options or swap contracts or there are many different ways to hedge fuel. Uh. But mm. basically, they will basically agree to purchase a certain amount of fuel in the future at mm. a predetermined price. 
Correct. And this helps if, let's say, you are buying at a low and then the price goes up and then you're at a yeah, fixed price, right? You're but a genius, lah, basically. Yeah, you're, you're a genius, yeah. But um, apparently, Singapore Airlines has not been so good <laughs> at it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm not sure if it's a normal thing among other airlines. Mm. But in the sense that in the last year, they had about $204 million, Sing dollars, mm. in losses just from ineffective fuel hedging. And that actually accounts for about 16% of their expenses in the last year. And something that we should keep in mind also is that for Singapore Airlines, right, the operational cost per month is about 150 million. Okay. And this 204 million that they lost from inefficiency of fuel hedging could have gone to pay off one month's operational um, cost, you know. (laughs) So it's quite a big amount, uh. And at the same time, the year before that also, they lost about seven hundred million from um, inefficient fuel hedging. So then <laughs> their boss rolls around March of two thousand and twenty and says, "You know what? Let's just take a break. We're not going to hedge fuel anymore, and we'll, we'll stop about here, lah." And so happens that March twenty twenty was also, you know, the low in terms of fuel prices, right? They should um, have hedged then, lah, but they didn't. They sh- I, yeah, I'm not the boss. I'm not. I don't know what goes on on this level. So maybe mm-hmm. there's something else, lah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not a hedging fuel hedging expert. Maybe mm-hmm. if there are any fuel hedges around, mm-hmm. yeah, could give us, us some advice. Drop yeah. us a DM and open so a conversation with us. Yeah, let it. us know when to buy fuel, so lah. Then <laughs> <laughs> joking, joking, right? Yeah, go on. Yeah, but yeah, so they have stopped. Um, hedging since March of 2020 probably they will have to resume but I'm guessing they'll hold off until you know there's more volume in terms of flights mm, yeah I think but, hedging yeah. is very important la, when mm. you're in uh, airlines business right because when we're talking about a low margin business right every single expense matters right I, I mean mm. we, we know airlines is a very low margin business right high debt yeah. low margin kind of business and yeah. when you're in this kind of business, right, it's very important to control your costs. Uh, that's how it is. Lah. And mm. one way to control costs is actually effective fuel hedging, not ineffective, right? Effective yeah. fuel hedging. So, I mean, like at the end of the day, it's like, I won't say going to a roulette table and betting on one number because it's not. It's calculated risk at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But sometimes it's very hard to predict the market. Lah, you know, like we always say, uh, you try to time the market is impossible, right? Yeah. So exactly. sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit lah. As got to so say, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, and then you just have to ride it out, lah. Mm. Yeah, correct. But then going back again to what you were m- mentioning earlier about debt, right? Like how Asia was piling on debt. So mm-hmm. we can see a similar story in Singapore Airlines as well, in the sense that in the June of 2020, they raised about 8.8 billion Sing dollars through a rights issue, and then. After that, they also did add on 1.2 billion Sing dollars through a long-term loan, and then an additional 750 million and 850 million in convertible bonds, and then 500 million through private placement for a new 10-year bond, mm-hmm. and and then latest one I think is in June of 2021 where mm-hmm. they raised a further 6.2 billion Sing dollars through a mandatory convertible bond issuance. So mm. in total, I believe it's about sixteen billion Sing dollars, and mm. they are saying that in their annual report, they are saying that this makes the SIA Group the best capitalized airline group in the world, giving them a financial foundation to navigate the ongoing crisis with confidence. And okay. I mean, having read that and having read through the news as well, I believe it's a good thing for them because they're taking on a lot of um, 
cash and they're basically fundraising right now for a number of reasons. Okay. And among the reasons is also because, you know, being in an airline, you have to order in advance, especially when you're talking about planes. So they actually have deals with Airbus and Boeing to deliver planes, right? But because of the pandemic, they have to try and defer and they managed to actually get about $5 billion US dollars worth of uh, payments to be deferred to about 2022 or 2023. So it's mm. deferred by a few years. Uh. Okay. And this fundraising that they're doing right now is actually, I see it as a good thing because it will prepare them for that moment when you know payment is due, they have cash in hand. Or perhaps they can use this money right now to try and invest in other sectors to grow it and also end up paying off whatever debts they might have in the future. Mm-hmm. And again, goes back to my point of, you know, they are government backed. So for me, I feel it's like whatever they need, somebody will end up paying it. Oh, they have bonds to issue. Somebody will magically from the, <laughs> from the dark shadows will just buy up all of the bonds for yeah, some yeah. reason because, yeah. you know, government backed. So yeah, I, I, for me, it's like it's not much of an issue. La. Like if Air Asia were to pull out this kind of this amounts, I would be a bit worried la, because like you mentioned earlier, they, why would they want to bail out Air Asia when they won't even mm. bail out Mars? Um, <laughs> so, that's a whole other story. We're not going there. That. Uh, yeah, that's a whole other story. Um, yeah. But yeah, if Singapore Airlines does it, I'm quite confident that it's going to work out in the end. La. And they're doing this because they know that they need cash in hand right now to be able to push through the pandemic and get back to normal schedules. And at the same time, be able to have reserves ready when payments are due. Mm. And this is something that everyone should keep in mind. But also, because of these convertible bonds and this issuance, right? What happened to their number of shares? Obviously, it increases. You get liquidated. Right? Yep. Your the whoever had was previously shareholders, mm-hmm. they got liquidated. Diluted, I mean, not 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 liquidated, diluted. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Diluted, diluted. Yeah. They yeah. got diluted, and I mean they receive convertible bonds. Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, for every one share, you get like two point something or two point nine convertible bonds or something like that. I can't remember what the number is. Uh. Mm-hmm. but they did receive convertible bonds, but they did get diluted in the sense that the number of outstanding shares almost doubled almost double let's try and see we they went from about 1.6 billion to Mm -hmm. about 2.9 billion yeah so it almost Mm -hmm. doubled uh. okay and it's just another you know corporate exercise that's again it happens as investors you just need to be able to catch it notice it and then know how to play your cards when the moment comes because with convertible bonds right you have the option of exercising it early or later or something like that there's a lot of uh key dates that you have to keep in mind when you have a bond like that mm-hmm. and you could sell it or you could you know exercise it there's a lot of ways to go about it so you you as an investor if you were a previous shareholder you should know about it and you should have you know made your decision early on i think now it's already just running la. <sighs> but just another point that i would like to highlight in terms of general investing right is mm-hmm. as an investor right when you see this right then you need to basically re- remind yourself that all of the ratios that you were previously looking at you might want to have to take a deeper look into it. Because I think in uh, our private conversation, I've mentioned to you, right, Andrew, that I'm not really one for PE ratios or um, I, I don't really follow the ratios. Mm, I, I mm. tend to just rather read into the companies and just try to understand what they're doing and their numbers behind it. Yep. And reason being is because of things like this, you know, 
right now earnings per share right how does it change because of the number of shares it basically mm. halves whatever earnings per share you had previously Correct. then you're talking about debt to equity what changes there if you suddenly see a company that you are trying to you know get interested or trying to buy into they have a sudden drop in debt to equity does that really mean that they paid off their debt or was the equity raised so mm. when you do a general scan of the market through ratios and um, these other shortcuts it's helpful because it gets you to possible investment opportunities fast but once you get there do not forget to do your due diligence because there are things like this that will not be explained by the ratios you will have to actually still go into the annual reports and see why their ratios you know either change in a good way or a bad way what happened right okay so for me right i think having diluted is definitely not fun especially mm. if someone steals half of your pie right <laughs> that's basically <laughs> what happened lah. okay you got one pie someone dilutes it take half of your pie and say okay lah, now your pie is uh, half already i take another half lah. Mm-hmm. so i mean it's not fun lah, but at the end of the day right i, I also have to think of it this way it, it, if, it, if they don't do it right can they survive and if they don't survive right and they die it's even worse for me you know <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. right so i I'm okay with them diluting a little bit here and there as long as they know what they're doing. And I think companies like Singapore Airlines are not as bad as what we have in Malaysia. You know, like I have an ad right now in my monitor. It says uh, Malaysia Airlines. I'm just not hinting anything, right? <laughs> so whatever. So I don't know, man. Let, let's understand, Nico. Hmm. Are you one that are interested to purchase airlines moving into our final segment today? No, I would say no, because... Again, it's a game of fine margins, right? Mm. So even before the pandemic, I was not interested. And post-pandemic also, I don't think I'll be interested. Uh, because mm. it's not something I would want to hold long term. As yeah. a value investor, you might, when the prices are low, like when Asia crashed, right? Mm-hmm. A value investor might have picked it up at like 50 cents, 40 cents, so, and yeah. then just hold on until now it's back to one ringgit. Then dump it. Uh. You make 100% easily. But yep. then in terms of, you know, in the normal day-to-day, if you're talking about long-term holds, I, I don't think so. Lah. Mm. It's not for me. Lah. Okay. So, fun fact again, Nico. So, hmm. I actually bought Asia when it was 66 cents, if I'm not mistaken. And hmm. me being me back then, I didn't know much about investing. So, what I know was that Asia was oversold. I mean, not oversold. I'm not trading it. Uh, I below their value because of uh, COVID and stuff like that. And I was hopeful that mm. after COVID, things will return back to somewhat better than before. I won't say exactly like before because I don't think COVID will ever go away miraculously. This is not uh, ab- yeah. abracadabra, abracadabra bullshit going on here, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I got into the airlines business uh, because of like, I thought it was undervalued. That's the only reason. Yeah. And when you hit $1, at that time, Malaysia uh, stock market was at like 1,600 points, okay? Mm. And I was like, shit, this is not sustainable. Why I say that was because when I look at the market, right? Before COVID, right? The market was like at 1,500 points, 1,400 points, right? Yeah. 1,400, like, why, it sounds, why I say 1,500, 1,400? That's so American. 1,400, <laughs> 1,500 points, like, okay? Yeah, and yeah. when COVID came along, and everything was shut down. The world is not moving in Malaysia, right? And mm-hmm. the stock market ran up to 1,600, 1,650, you know? And I'm like, this doesn't make sense, right? Money is not yeah. moving. The economy shut down. But the stock market is so overvalued. So I decided to sell everything. Uh, I won't say it's a genius move. 
I, one of the main reasons why I sold it at one dollar also was because I wanted to bring my investments to uh, US. So yeah. I sold it at one dollar, and uh, apparently it seemed like a genius move. But uh, I, I won't say that it's a genius move. Like I say it's just luck, you know. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what what I do sometimes is like I find undervalued stocks, and then I just go in, come out, lah. Yeah. It's not that I believe in the business. I don't. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't believe in the underlying business. You can say Asia Super App or whatever, right? Or you mm-hmm. can say Singapore Airlines, uh, what the training academy or whatever, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, your core business is still what I have to look at. And if your core exactly. business is very thin margin and there's a high chance of you messing up, right, with your oil hedging or whatever, any other thing lah. It's not just oil hedging, right? There's so many other factors to play. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. will most likely stay away lah. I don't like to mess around with thin margins. Yeah, yeah, so if you look at my investments, all right, most of them has a very high margin kind of thing. So, which also means that most of them are tech stocks, and which also means that they are very volatile, and which also means they are down right now because of interest <laughs> rates. Okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, that's how I invest. But yeah, Nico, how, going back to you, how how do you go about uh, uh, this Singapore Airlines? Is it a yes or a no for you? Um, it's a no. Because, like again, I said it's too low margin, and it's it's in a very the business is a volatile business mm. right now, and I don't see a reason why I should get into it when I have better opportunities elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a no for me, lah. I mean, growing debt, you know, getting themselves involved with more and more debt just to try and get through the whole pandemic is. It's going to be a tough fight, lah. And then at the end, what happens? It's trading at four dollars now. Do you expect me to believe that post pandemic it's going to be at twelve dollars? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think there are better, safer options because for me, more important is preservation of capital, lah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose money with these kind mm-hmm. of stocks. So I don't want to be trapped in it for a few years as well. Right. So yeah, for me, it's definitely a no, lah. But It's a, it's a, it's an interesting study lah, and also one of the things that I found from studying this was that in the Singapore Airlines group, right, mm-hmm. the average age of their fleet, which is their aircrafts, right, mm-hmm. is about five years and one month, and okay. that's pretty young. So they're talking about you know buying a new plane, mm-hmm. using it for six seven years, and then selling it off for you know basically writing it off lah. So they're keeping it for only about five years, whereas the average age for some other airlines like United Airlines is mm-hmm. about fourteen point three years. That's, That's the average times, age. Bro. Or mm-hmm. Delta Airlines is about seventeen years. Wow, mm-hmm. it's quite old. But again, even American Airlines is ten point eight years. So yeah. it's it's a big difference. But you have to keep in mind lah that you know Singapore Airlines is trying to project the premier image. Yeah. And they're not heavily based on cargo because a lot of cargo airlines will tend to go for older planes because mm-hmm. it reduces their cost in that sense. Like they don't have to drop upfront capital. Sure. So, like if you're thinking about Amazon Prime and the planes that they bought, yeah, their planes are definitely none of them are below ten years or so. Mm. It's definitely going to be twelve years old and above. They just take it in, repair it as long as you can make the distance fly. It's a go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. For me, maybe we can wrap this up, right? And I just want to say, for me, it's a big no because right now I just 
I just don't know, man. With Omicron and co- coming up, all of this kind of stuff, right? There's for me, there's a lot of uncertainty ahead. But even without Omicron and say like magic, magically the virus goes away, right? I still wouldn't go back into an airlines business. Ever, yeah. never, like my lecture, <laughs> my like my lecture would say, ever, never will I ever yeah. go back into an airlines business. I will stick to what I believe in, that what will change the world and what will make the difference in the future, and that's how I invest. And mm. we might have a different understanding, and you might make a lot of money in Singapore Airlines, which I hope you do. If you invest in Singapore Airlines, I hope, I hope, I hope you do. Right? I never wish anyone to lose money. I hope we all yeah. get rich together. Right? But with that being said. That's the end of today's episode, right? Mm-hmm. And think before you invest, guys. Ciao. If you are still here at the end of the podcast, do follow this podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. To catch all the latest episodes from us, you can follow our Instagram page at ringgit2dollar underscore. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. I will see you in the next episode. But remember to always do your due diligence before investing. Till next time.